So we've been doing a series, you can see on, on the screen, we've been doing a Christmas series called Unto Us. And the whole, kind of the whole point of that is typically what we do is we look at the Christmas story like individually, right? Jesus, thank you for coming to me. And there's nothing wrong with that. He did come to you. But a lot of times in the New Testament, when you see the word you, you can read it like a southern. It's y'all. It's plural. He came to us. And so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that's the, the, um, the verse that we've kind of built this series off of. It says this, for unto us, unto who? Us. A child is born. Unto us, a son is given. It's collective, right? And that's a hard sell in America because we are very individual. Almost to the point I said almost, so just relax. Almost to the point that as long as I'm succeeding, I'm not that worried about you. We, we've seen that play out in culture, right? As long as my side wins, I don't care that your side lost. As long as I get what I need, you're on your own. But when that starts to seep into the church, that's a problem, Right? Because he came to us. So unto us, a child is born. Unto us, the son is given. Um, I want to give you a big idea, and I want to give you three points. And we're going to, somebody asked me, are you baking something? And I was like, no, because that would require power. And I don't know if you've, if you've been here for any of my illustrations that involve power. But I would probably turn this mixer on and somehow like my finger would get caught in there and it would just be a whole nother illustration that I don't want to do. So nothing here is connected. These are all just props for three really important points. Here's your big idea. It takes all of us. How many? It takes all of us to make one of us. Ephesians chapter 2 says that Jesus came to make the two one. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that we would become one. In Ephesians, it says that there is one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. God is all about unifying his people, right? But it takes all of us to make one of us. So I was thinking about baking because um, my mom, this is one thing that I loved. We knew it was Christmas when, when she got out the mixing bowl and she got out all the ingredients, and she would make sugar cookie dough. Now, I can just eat the dough. Anybody else? Who are sugar cookie dough eaters? Y'all are on the right side of the grace of God. That's all I'm going to say, right? I love cookie dough, y'all. I love cookie dough. Um, and she would make it, and then she would, like, roll it out. You know, she'd take this thing right here, a rolling pin. Not to be confused with a bowling pin, but she would take that, and she would roll out that dough, and then she would take um, what's inside here. These are like the little cookie cutter things. And she would, she would press it in there and she would pull it up. And I would stand right there hoping that whatever was on the edge, I could eat. But what would mom say? No. Because she would take all those scraps and she'd roll them up out again. And she'd make more cookies. And I'd be like, now? No. I don't know how she got so many cookies out of that dough, man. She just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And then when she was done with all that, she'd bake them. And then we would decorate them, right? Santa, stars, presents, 
whatever shapes there were. There's all kinds of shapes now. And then we'd, we'd put icing on it and put sprinkles on it. And then it was Christmas. And then she'd put them on a plate and we couldn't eat them. Saran wrap over them, right? Because she's waiting for everybody to get there so we could all enjoy it. So I've been thinking about all this stuff because... Yeah, y'all know I'm, I am like living Buddy the Elf. Christmas is my favorite. Like I love this time of year. And I love the simple illustrations. So can I give you three points about baking? Here's number one. Baking is measured. Baking is measured. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, but in fact, that's a but. We're talking about how many big buts there are in the Bible. He's talking to a church that's divided a church that thinks one's better than the other, and he says, time out, but. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Every one of these ingredients is important when you're baking. I started start making a list of all the characters in the Christmas story. Here's, here's what I got. I might have missed some. So Jesus, right? Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. Herod, Zechariah, Elizabeth, who was Zechariah's wife. She's the one that carried John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Anna, Simeon. I'm mentioning names that y'all might not even know. And then last night I thought about some other people in the Christmas story. I thought about, you know, because Herod's going to have all the two-year-olds and younger boys killed. I thought about the people that had to carry out that order. They're part of the Christmas story. All of those people had a part to play. They're like all of these ingredients. And we highlight one more than the other, but they're all important. Now, um, ingredients. How many of you have, because <clears throat> you wanted to be like Sylvester Stallone, you cracked raw eggs and have you ever drank? Who has ever drank a raw egg? Drunk? Drank, drunken? Drinking? Okay, swallowed. There. Thank you. Thank you. I have one time in my life I ate a raw egg. And it was 100% because I had seen Rocky, and he did it in the movie. And I was like, if I do that, I will look like him. Some of you are like, you should have eaten more raw eggs, right? It did not take. But I remember I, I didn't drink it just raw. That's just that's so nasty to me. So I, I made a milkshake. I made a chocolate milkshake. That's the way to go. And I put the egg in it and mixed it up, I thought. And I drank the chocolate milkshake. And when I got to the end, I'm looking up at the bottom of the cup, and the egg is just hanging on for dear life. And then all of a sudden, it just went. I was like, this is nasty, right? Um, when I was small, a child, we would go eat, and my parents would get mad at me because I would take the sugar packets on the table and rip those things open and eat the sugar. Kids, 100%, that's the will of God for your life. 100%. If your parents say no, you just say, not today, Satan, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All the parents are giving me really mean looks right now. Um, I got to thinking like flour, this is baking powder, not baking soda. There's a difference. I don't know what it is. Um, if I were to ask you, like, which of these 
you would rather eat separately. Nobody's saying like, yeah, I'd like to get a tablespoon of the baking powder, please. Or flour, although that would be fun to watch some of y'all try to eat a tablespoon of flour. Seth, that sounds like a game. I don't know. Maybe, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. But we would all be okay with some sugar, right? What I want you to get this morning is that baking is measured. And when God's building the body of Christ, he says every part has a part to play. Every part is important. Every ingredient is necessary, even the ones that only have a small amount. Well, here's what we do in church. We say, I love me some sugar. So I'm going to make some sugar cookies. I'm going to put 10 cups of sugar in that recipe because I really love sugar. And I'm going to leave out the bad stuff that tastes nasty. And you know the recipe's not going to turn out. What we do in church is we say, I've heard you speak, Pastor. You're really good. Here's what we, want. we want you to be the focal point. You're a really good worship leader, Allison. I want you to be the most important person on this platform every Sunday. And, and I'm just a person that sits on the, in the chair. We, we diminish certain roles and we highlight other roles more than the one who's baking would want us to. Because baking is measured. You and I have a part to play and God chooses what that part is and how much we should do it. Here's the second point. Baking is messy. This is the part where I really wanted to start baking. I wanted you, I, I thought about um, my sister, Laura. Um, Parker remembers this. Like, she one time had them over, my kids over to spend the night, and they made smoothies. And they put it in the blender and all the stuff in there. And then she hit the button, and everything went everywhere. Because she forgot to put the top on before she hit the blend button. And so everything's going everywhere. Listen, if you get in a kitchen and you start baking, it's going to get messy. Now, some of you in the room, you like to clean up as you go, right? Um, and some of you still haven't cleaned up, right? It's still in the sink. Um, you're like, God will take care of that in eternity, right? But baking is messy. Proverbs 14.4 says this, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of an ox come abundant harvest. Let's just translate that into everyday life. If you've got ox, you're going to have some harvest, and you're also going to have to clean out the stall because it's going to get a little bit messy. If you don't want a mess, don't try to produce anything. Because if you produce life, it's messy. I love how Joy shared this last week. Um, remember when you held that, your firstborn child? You're just holding that child. You're looking at that child. And you're like, you are the best thing at What was that? You, you felt something down here. And you didn't ground that baby for pooping. And you probably even went one step further, which just shows how we go insane when we love kids. Some of you are. Diaper stickers like you put, you check. I've seen people like, is that, is that a poopy in your diaper? And they'll like put their finger down in there. I'm like, what? what? That's how you check oil. It's not how you check for your, your baby's poop. Like you just, you look. Or uh, better yet, you get somebody else to look. Like, or just, I don't know, smell. 
right? Like there's so many different ways, but I've like literally seen people stick their fingers down it and they go, yep. We cannot be friends any longer. I can never shake your hand ever again. I know where that hand has been, right? It's messy. And we are messy, y'all. Our lives are messy. And when we all get together and start baking stuff, like there's flour everywhere. There's just like stuff everywhere. There are dishes to be cleaned. And if you don't want the mess, you can't bake God's okay with mess, y'all. I'm going to ask you um, to consider this, that when heaven, when heaven sent Jesus, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. The word manger there is in Hebrew, but there's a translation of the Bible called the Septuagint, and they basically wrote the whole Bible in Greek, right? So the same Greek word that they used for manger there is the same one that's used in this Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. I would just submit to you, at heaven, the manger became inhabited with a king who was okay with a mess. I want you to watch a quick video about messes, and then I'll come back and we'll wrap this up. In life... Perfection is rare. We can catch an occasional glimpse. A perfect game, a perfect score, the perfect song for the perfect moment, a perfect hair day. But glimpses soon fade and we quickly return to normal life. And normal life is messy. It's the dark, stormy days that make us appreciate the sunshine. The everyday messiness of life accentuates the beauty of perfection. Yet there are some things in life that are both perfect and messy at the same time. Like a baby, for example. There's nothing as pure or as innocent as a newborn baby. And when a mother sees her child for the first time, the only suitable word to describe it is perfect. But babies are also messy. Childbirth is messy. And it was in this mess that God chose to begin the process of saving our messy world. When we think of the birth of Jesus, we picture a beautiful, peaceful nativity scene. Clean stables and angels on the roof and docile farm animals looking on with a smile. The truth is, there's nothing peaceful about childbirth. When we think of a baby in a manger, we don't picture it for what it was, an infant lying in an animal food trough. The circumstances surrounding this birth weren't exactly ideal either. The concept of a pregnant virgin is difficult to explain, especially to your soon-to-be husband. So the scene that night in Bethlehem was nothing if not messy. But God chose this scene, the messiest scene imaginable, to send His perfect Son to save us from our own mess. And it was the perfect plan. You see, without a baby in a manger, there would be no Savior on a cross. Today we celebrate both the mess and the perfection of the birth of our Lord. In spite of our mess, God so loved the world that He came as a baby to save it. 
Today we celebrate the perfect birth of a perfect baby who lived a perfect life so that in him we could be made perfect. Today we celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Today we celebrate Jesus. All right, so baking is measured, right? And baking is messy. And here's the third point. I had to have another M word. Baking is, mm. It's just good, y'all. It's just good. Um, the finished product is amazing. Uh, every child in here in the room, y'all want to just come get a cookie real quick? Come on. Just come grab a cookie. We got red and green, and we got blue and white. So y'all pick whichever one you want. Take it back with you. There you go. That's okay. Which one you want? Here. There you go. And here's another one. Some of y'all's parents are like, I need to come help them get a cookie or a five. Philippians 1 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will finish it, will complete it, will carry it on to completion. The word for completion literally means perfect, y'all. It means that what he's doing in us, when it's finished, it will be perfect. It'll be like these cookies, right? Like all that work, all that mess, all the stuff was worth it for this moment. I'm still like, I'm an old guy, and when we bake cookies, and Miss Wendy says, anybody want to lick the batter? I mean, I will push my kids out of the way, y'all. It's just good. I love it. It tastes so good. Baking is, mm, and it's what God's doing. Listen, I want to close with a long, kind of a longish quote, but I want you to get this. We get that it's measured, and most of us will shake, shake our heads and go, that's, yeah, that's true. I can't, I'm kind of learning my part. I'm figuring out what part God wants me to play. And we get that it's, mm, but it's the middle messy part that we struggle in. Like, God, where are you? Are, are you still here? And here's, here's what I, I wrote down. A lot of us, and maybe this is something we've inherited from church. I'm not sure. But a lot of us have a false assumption that we have made the mess in the kitchen. And, like, frankly, some of us have made messes in the kitchen, but we've bought this lie that if we invite Jesus into the kitchen, he cleans it. No. Jesus comes into the mess, and he keeps baking with you. He keeps helping you figure out what ingredient you are and how much of that ingredient his body needs you're still part of a mess. He's just in the mess with you. It doesn't mean he's not powerful enough. It means that he's just stepping into the mess to be with us. His name is Emmanuel. It means God with us, not God fix us. The presence is the present. That's the gift. He's Yeshua. He's with us. Even in a messy kitchen. This is a really weird altar call, but here it is. Invite Jesus into your kitchen. 
Wait, unless you're playing pickleball, and then you can't be in the kitchen. Okay, sidetrack there for a second, but invite him into the kitchen, y'all. Invite him into the process of your life that is messy right now, that has you trying to figure out where he is and how he fits. Here's the quote that I want to leave you with. This by a man named Parker Palmer. Listen to these words. The deeper our faith, the more doubt we must endure. The deeper our hope, the more prone we are to despair. The deeper our love, the more pain its loss will bring. These are a few of the paradoxes we must hold as human beings. If we refuse to hold them in the hopes of living without doubt, despair, and pain, we also will find ourselves living without hope, faith, and love. I want to encourage you that your life is messy because Jesus is helping you figure your role out. He's with you. He's not forgotten you. And when it's done, it's going to be like, mm. And even the eating of the good baking creates a mess. Because I'm watching parents go, we'll sweep it up, y'all. It's okay. It's okay. I just want to encourage you with this. Man, the mess is not something that God's against. It's something he wants to step into with you. He wants to be with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us that you are up to good. You love to bake. You love to be in the kitchen. You love to be in the details of our lives that just don't quite make sense to us. But, man, you're working it out. Thank you for reminding us, God, that you are measured and you're with us in the mess, and what you're producing is so good. And for using all of us to make one of us. In your name, Jesus, amen.